0: welcome to the scandinavian mind podcast i'm conor Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of scandinavian mind my guests today are Erik setteberg and daniel harman of singular society a new stockholm-based fashion and lifestyle startup that seeks to reinvent the traditional retail model instead of making money by the traditional markup they are selling their products for the cost of production and instead charging a monthly subscription fee from its consumers. Yes, you can call it the Netflix of fashion, although Erik and Daniel have a more detailed definition. I think this is super exciting as it is one of the few concrete examples of how to reinvent the fashion and lifestyle system towards something more innovative and sustainable. In this conversation we talk about being a subscription-based brand that offers high-quality products at the price of their cost to make, the need for change in the traditional fashion wholesale, why quality is so expensive, how the consumers and subscribers are part of choosing their selection, and what it's like being owned by H&M and the need for patience to grow. The Scandinavian Mind podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Wednesday we publish an in-depth interview with an innovator from the worlds of design, fashion, beauty, mobility, or tech. And every Friday we publish a panel talk or other behind-the-scenes content from the world of Scandinavian Mind. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and clubhouse sessions. Visit ScandinavianMind.com newsletter. I'd like to thank the Helio co-working space for hosting us in their podcast studio where I recorded this conversation with Erik Zetterberg and Daniel Herman. Enjoy. I am here with uh, Daniel Hermann and Eric Setteberg, the co-founders of Singular Society. Uh, welcome, guys.
1: Thanks, Conan. Uh, Thank it's great you to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: I'm. I've been so excited to have this conversation because I'm uh, super fascinated by, by where, but retail is going, where technology is going, and uh, I think you and Eric t- talked first, and you mentioned this concept. I just, I, I was, I was so excited about someone moving into the subscription base subscription uh, based uh, model in in not the way you you would expect. I heard the first time I was like okay gonna, they're gonna send socks or underwear or something on me on a, on a monthly basis but this was something else. so I think we should just start with explaining to the listeners the concept behind uh, uh, your brand and, and company and and uh, just the basics so we get that right. who wants to go?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. We, we struggle with it every day. Like it's, it's not that different, but, it, but it's still, uh, it's fundamentally different. So, so uh, we, ha- we have found that it's a bit of a challenge to, to explain it uh, at times. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. But so Singular Society is a subscription-based uh, brand. And, and, and what we do differently is that we, we offer high-quality products at the price of what they cost to make. So, uh, in terms of a business model, our revenue stream is subscription fees over time rather than making money from what we sell. We see the products as a service towards our members. Mm. Uh, and in one sense, that's pretty straightforward. But uh, the really cool part of it is that uh, it fundamentally changes what's important to us as a company and the effect it has towards members and the. Uh, Not necessarily the industry, but the fundamental mechanisms that uh, uh, that differs compared to how traditional retail has been built.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, I I don't think you can underscore enough how different this is because traditional fashion retail is... You source a product, uh, someone manufactures it, uh, there's someone in between that transports it, uh, maybe there's an agent that you know, gives it to a wholesaler who then sells it to the customer. So there's so many sort of lines here. We've seen an era where brands have gone direct to consumer, so to cut some of these uh, steps, but it's fundamentally about you know, adding uh, uh, some kind of, of, of revenue on top of what it costs to make the product. And you're not doing this at all.
1: No, exactly. and I think that's uh that's exactly it. Like if you take then I guess the, the original uh shape and business model which is wholesale based mm-hmm. then uh as a brand or as a as a company that sells products, your customer isn't necessarily always the end customer. It's the, the middleman that buys and sells your products to to the middleman. So there's a there's a Disconnect in terms of owning the relationship with your customer. Mm. Your customer is the store that sells the products. Uh, I feel a bit bad for taking this one because this is actually Daniel saying normally, <laughs> whereas, but I think it's very illustrative. It's uh, in a normal retail relationship, you have the company on one side and you have the customer on the other,
0: mm.
1: and the company makes uh, its money from the products it sells, uh, and the customer is looking for high good value. And they contradict each other. So somewhere in the middle, they have to meet. And, and that most often means uh, that there's uh, significant compromises being made for, for both to leave, you know, fairly happy. And and uh, what you don't talk so much about is that from a customer perspective, when you pay full price for something, you also pay for all of the unsold goods and the... And, uh, uh, the 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 products that have been sold on sale because that's part of the of, of the of the model, whereas in our case we see our products as a service towards our members, so we're not really running towards each other we're running, we're aligning each other with mm. the members um, the members need, uh, and that changes everything in in our opinion.
0: We mm. we're going to go back to the sourcing, but I just want to underscore how does this look for maybe Daniel you can explain how does this look for the. Consumer or uh, I don't know, me- you call it member. So for anyone who wants to uh, be part of what you are doing, wh- what does the what does it, what does it look like, and how does it differ from uh, another retail experience?
2: I, gu- I guess it's fundamentally different because uh, in a normal experience. Uh, pretty much everyone who's interested can visit a store or a website. Uh, That's the same for us. We we have a physical experience. We also have a website. But to be able to buy our products, you have to become a member. So Mm. uh, it starts with Uh, you signing up on a waiting list. And the waiting list for us, uh, it's not a waiting list to make this uh, an exclusive experience. It's not that we want to sort of tell that certain people can be part of this and others have to wait. It's more for us to be able to control service Mm. so that we make sure that everyone who becomes a member can be treated the way they deserve when they give trust in us as a company so you you sign up on that waiting list when we feel that you know we are good enough to to onboard you as a member you decide on a membership plan which basically gives you uh, a right to product allowances to consume products every month uh, and we have Today, the only thing we know today is pretty much that, you know, we're trying things, right? So everything you see is us trying. And most likely, most of these things, we will learn that it works a little different than how we planned it. And we will sort of continue to adjust and and refine everything. But Mm. today we have two levels. Uh, And the first one gives you five and the other one gives you 25 allowances. Uh, And basically we, we look at them as single or or, or sort of family households, uh, because we also understand that, you know, it might sound a lot to consume 25 products. Uh, and this is sort of connected to to the assortment strategy that we have. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to come back to that yeah, a little later yeah. too, to sort of reason around, you know, how, how can you consume 25 products? but But that's the first step. Uh, And then, uh, you know, you you give us your confidence, you pay a monthly fee to Singular Society, uh, and then, you know, we give you the chance to buy state-of-the-art products that, you know, we hope will sort of serve you, uh, serve your daily life, basically. Uh, And and you will be able to buy these for for the price of what what they cost to make.
0: Right, so...
1: um... And I think that's also like, that's a big difference because we don't make products products, uh, in hopes of making a profit. We make products to service our members' needs and wants, so our only agenda really is for you to be happy with what you receive and that we fulfill the promise of uh delivering really high quality uh, so
0: and and you need more members that's how that's the at some point that's that's the end game for you guys
2: I guess it's you know and it's fascinating right because we we have both worked in in traditional retail for a really long time and and I think it's also it's important to state that you know we don't see that the more traditional business models will die this no. is not you know the only thing that will that will live is subscription based th- that's not you know our our claim so th- there will be plenty of of successful players in different business models we mm. we sort of foresee but but what's really interesting is that it's almost like you run two businesses you have a service business where we don't I mean, my, my goal is that we don't make a single, I don't want to make anything on that business. I want it to be as close to zero as possible because I want to give every, all the value to the member, basically. All
0: well, the value of the product.
2: Exactly. The member, okay. uh, so, so that's one side of it, right? So, um, and that's, as we look at the product as a service, uh, our only view, like Eric said, is to make you happy. Mm. There is no business agenda in that part of the business. Uh, And then the other part is obviously us being a business where we need to find smart ways of operating a business based on the subscription fee. And of course, the more members that we can attract with this concept, the more revenue we will get from subscription fees, the more sort of. Uh, efficient ways we can find to operate that business, uh, the more sustainable the business will be because we, we will sort of create meaningful growth over time. So it sort of works, it's, it's almost like you run two businesses in one. Right.
1: And, it, I, and also I think because we have, we have developed different scenarios uh, and what we found is that it can operate and function without a, a huge amount of members. But then again, that also affects the offering towards the members. Mm-hmm. The larger it becomes, the easier it is to service many different needs.
0: And also the pricing, I guess. What's uh, what, what does it cost to become a member? Just to give us so, the... So the the
1: base accounts uh, <clears throat> paid annually starts at seven point nine euros per month. Right. So uh, and that's also a bit a bit funny because we we had focus groups a year and a half back where when we sort of. Uh, Try to figure out if you know are there more people than us that feel that this model uh, has relevance towards them, and, mm. and then wh- one of the things we did in those focus groups was ask people what do you think that this service should cost, right? And and uh, I think what we learned is that it was very connected to people's references and their imagination in terms of how much money it would save them, so. For for high-consuming people that perhaps had a, a preference towards premium products, they they could instantly imagine themselves saving quite a lot. Right. Uh, so their their guess was that this service should probably be around a hundred euros uh, per month, because I will e- easily save that money back.
0: If you buy a product that was if you if you buy it from uh, Louis Vuitton or any one of these players like you can get the same kind of quality we're gonna get into product but that's what you're saying basically
1: yeah i mean we we try to avoid using other brands as a uh, as a reference in that terms but uh because it's you know no product is the other products alike like there's, there's always personality and differences but but in terms of have we made them them in the same material and sometimes in the same manufacturing facilities with the exact level of craft that the other really, really quality brands have, have, have produced their products within, mm. then then yes.
0: Okay, so going back to subscriptions, I'm sure also, I mean, there's been a lot of talk these, these past few uh, years, the past decade, we've had, you know, Spotify, Netflix, we've come accustomed to, in the media space at least, to paying a fee every month to get, uh, content or, or a service as well and uh, we're seeing uh, you know companies in the in the u.s. doing the same thing I think they're doing it in Sweden now also with coffee you, you buy a subscription to coffee you get as much much coffee as you you like basically um, how much has this informed your thinking and in, and in, in, uh, also going into when asking people what what uh, what to pay for a service like this
1: a lot I mean they they have been uh, uh the an inspiration to us for sure uh, when we when we started to figure out try to figure out what we were supposed to be doing and, yeah. and how to make a difference and uh, at that time I think this is over two years ago now uh, when, we, when we started to develop the concept and and I think at first we we were so programmed from our past in 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 the retail industry so we just you know how can we make a difference because that was important to us to not just start another brand we are I think our opinion in in many ways are that there are en- enough brands in the world and, mm. and a lot of them are great at what they do, so that's not necessarily what the world needs, just another brand because we want to like how can we make a difference and and at first, we uh, apart from a billion really bad ideas that we had you know and started to to look more at the at the, at the value side of it that the the pain point for customers is that. When you venture up in quality, because of the traditional markups that the industry adds, uh, then quality becomes very, very uh, expensive, mm. which means that it's niche and, and, and that high quality is not for everyone. And, and so that was sort of the problem that we wanted to address and hopefully contribute to changing and, and making it more accessible for a larger group of people.
2: And, and I think it's, you know, it didn't start with the business model. You know, we, really? we did Yeah, it didn't. For us, the conversation didn't start with. Um, it's with, time for subscription. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't, and it, it wasn't. It should for, have, but it came uh, much. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 exactly, would have been a nice thing to say today, <laughs> right? That that you know everything started with us being so uh, analytical and strategic yeah. about this, but it, it actually more it started like uh, a conversation that that has never ended in a way. You know, when, when you work together for a long time and sort of friendship and being colleagues, uh, they sort of go into each other, right? So you, you, you sort of, you have this dialogue in your life that moves between, uh, you know, what, what you did tomorrow or yesterday with your family to, you know, what are we going to do with the business today? And, and we, uh, we sort of started discussing uh, problems that we saw in the industry. Mm. Uh, and that was you know, where where singular society started. And it was more by coincidence when we tried to find answers to those issues or problems or challenges that we saw, that we found that, you know, maybe there is a way here to change business model that can help us answer some of these questions. So I I think it it was more it was more out of those insights than necessarily looking at, at successful subscription based models today so
0: what were the problems what were the exactly. insights we, we
1: identified three core industrial uh, industry problems
0: okay
1: which is on the customer side we've already covered like why is quality so expensive does mm. it have to be uh, and w- because it becomes for so very few then and on the on the business side of things we, it's is risk and cash flow heavy mm-hmm. uh, the traditional model says you know you produce something try to find a customer and sell it with a profit and and uh, especially if you're into anything trend driven or so on it's it's quite difficult to achieve that and mm-hmm. and uh, also with the distribution channels and so on that we talked on before it's 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 really hard and and it generates very few winners uh, uh, there are some really shining examples of the opposite but as a whole, and it's been decreasing uh, for, for several years.
0: Yeah,
1: And, uh, and then the, the third one is more covered around you know, responsible production and, and sustainability, where where uh, one thing that's pretty hard to address as a traditional business is that, you know, make things that deserves to have been made and, and, and to try and make things that really genuinely lasts over time. Mm. Uh, that is a healthy approach and a responsible approach uh, Two products, we think. Uh, so, if that was the sort of the, the three buckets of, of of insights or or main pain points that we saw, then then uh, I think we spent six months, you know, trying to achieve anything with the traditional <coughs> models in terms of saying, okay, what if we skip marketing? What if we skip physical stores? And, uh, and and all of those can have an effect, but but not a substantial one. Then it means that. You know, you skip marketing, and then, yeah, we can sell things then for 7% less. Right. But but it's not disruptive in any way. It's just, yeah, it would be a decent price, but how are we going to tell the world that these products even exist if we don't do marketing? And you just really, you you couldn't get anywhere. And I think that's when we went into more of a sort of macro perspective. Okay, so what other success stories are there in in industries that we can be inspired from? Mm. And, And the shining star in that sense, I think, was subscription-based models that has been the ones that we think has helped people in their lives the most right. To for the better uh, lately. I I mean, uh, definitely for me, but I think I speak for most when I say I don't miss the CD disc. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: like, like
0: the, the vinyl, maybe, mm-hmm.
2: but not the, the CD. Vi- the vinyl, <laughs> yes.
1: Like, uh, I actually had a nice vinyl player back in the days that I sold because I felt like I will never use it. And yeah. now I feel like yeah. it would have been nice to, yeah. to have, have held on to it. Uh, but the CD disc was just never a good thing. You had, you know, go, venturing out and buying a CD disc, coming home, and then after a couple of listenings, there was a scratch in it somehow, and uh, it, did, it stopped working. And so, so Netflix and Spotify is really good examples in that sense that we think that they've really solved the problem, mm. they and they've made life slightly better for for a lot of people, and uh, and that inspired us. So, so we have used them as a reference, even in writing, saying like this is. Mm similar to netflix and spotify but we've also learned that it's like a double-edged sword in many ways because at the same our business model uh and how we can thrive over time is similar to their model but in the end we're also selling something so it's also yeah, so it's so so also different th- and, for, for and the it customer they're
0: getting charged twice in, exactly when it comes to uh, netflix it's it's just once per month uh, and we have
1: feedback back like that so we, we sort of toned that down a little bit i guess uh but we're we're um,
0: what do you mean tone down
1: because we we want to you know try to the best of our ability to be clear on on what is this and how it works and why it makes a positive difference to people. So you're
0: not going out saying we're going to do the Netflix of fashion.
1: No, exactly. And and but and when we have referenced those subscription services that basically has an uh, infinitively amount of content that you can stream over right. and over again, it's uh, it's landed differently in people. So someone asked me at some point like, okay, so uh i'm now uh, if I now subscribe will i get the things mm. or uh I, th- I, th- I think we've landed in the fact that it's you know, it's slightly
2: confusing yeah. it, it can probably uh, because you know and you you can probably feel this in our conversation this is new to us as well sure
0: i mean that's why it's so uh, exciting uh but let me ask you this uh, because the way you, you set this up and the way you define these three areas that you wanted to address, it seems to me that this, you know, it had to be some kind of premium-like service. It had to be a quality of product that it, it, it's not, you know, fast fashion and it's not the sort of, it have to cost something, right? Because it doesn't have
1: to be, but we think that's where we can make the biggest contribution and the biggest difference. Right but the model could probably work on a, on a on a lower end scale as well but we, that's not what the world needs
0: but do you think do you, that's that was my question because i mean you both guys have experience working with uh, h&m which is a our, our, our big swedish uh, a retailer an example of this and uh, i i i'm guessing that's where you guys uh, met uh but do you think there's a way for, for to do this at that uh, price
2: point i think there is I mean, this is so early for, mm. for our industry to. And it's also a little bit difficult to talk about our industry, right? Because Singular isn't a clothing brand. No. It could be a cookware company or. Yeah, because you, know, you, you
0: have more product. you more like a general lifestyle brand, yeah, or a broader and, lifestyle
2: brand. Okay. B- broader lifestyle, and we're also completely member driven, right? right. So if, if our members down the line will tell us that, you know what, guys, we, we love the products, but we really love the things you're doing within homeware or cookware, mm. then mm. we become a frying pan company Uh, there is no you know there is no prestige in that for us we we just want to serve members so so i think that's one uh, that's also an important part to Mm. to use when you sort of talk about singular and and what singular is then i think you know this There's no hidden agenda in
1: terms of you know we really want to make this like if 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 the members say you know we're more interested in this than that then Mm. we'll pivot that way
2: Mm. and then i think you know we will see I would imagine, this is my guess at least, I would imagine that we will see this business model being used in different categories through different price points Uh, and I think there will be successful players in all different price points and categories because uh, it's not really in the price point as such. Then it could be that it works better uh, in in certain areas, uh, but, but we don't really know that yet, to be honest. So, so I wouldn't say that it's only a business model for for premium products. I think the reason why we ended up in sort of this in this position is that we uh, and and I I listened to uh, to the episode you had and the talk you had with uh, Paul uh, Dillinger, right, from Levi's, right, right. Uh, and I think that was an important. You know, that aspect that Eric talked about as the third point, you know, actually being more responsible in what we're producing, uh, I think that was key for us, Mm. uh, that we would like to give more people access to really high-quality products so we can help them change consumption, basically, because, you know, we uh, perhaps that's the greatest challenge we all have together, right? We we have to change the way we, we live our lives, basically. And I think, you know, we talk so much about Uh, the company's responsibilities in this. And and we have huge responsibilities in, you know, production and and our whole supply chain. And Mm -hmm. and there's obviously tons of things that we need to do and change. And and we're really excited to be on that journey. But we we also talk about the consumer and the responsibility of of me as a consumer changing my habits. But I also think that then we as companies need to give the consumers tools to change that habit we need to give consumers better products so that they can actually keep them longer so that we can with a good heart say you know buy less keep it longer and in the dream world you know pass it on to the next generation and i think that's why these qualities are important for us
0: uh, I mean,
1: uh, and if you if you connect that back to your original question and and uh, the three like uh, buckets the inside buckets that we, we sort of developed and when we went out to the macro perspective and took the inspiration and then connected it back to those problem areas and said, All right, how are those being affected? What's the, what's the net outcome and the effect of, of a subscription-based model uh, connected to retail? If we try that, what would be the effect? And then we realized that on the company side, it means a lot less risk. Uh, because we only make products to serve our members' needs and wants. So we don't have to overproduce the same way. Mm. We know who our members are, we know uh, how much they're consuming, what they're asking for. So we we never do products that we don't think that they will need and want. Uh, On the customer side, it's it's the end game in terms of value. We don't profit from what we sell. We don't add a profit margin. And uh, uh, that's actually even why we called it Singular. Because uh, it's the term, like it, I, I guess, in one way it means uh, uh, very good to great, but uh, there's also the, the more technical term of sing and the, the phenomenon around singularity right. that scientists talks about, and someone thinks that happens in ten years and fifty. But the meaning of it is that that it's sort of the end station for for something, and and we think that uh, in terms of giving value back to customers this is the end station for that. And then and then we, you know, we, we can excel and be, become even better at it. And that's another fine mechanism with Singler that the, the bigger we become, the better it gets, that the, the more members we have, the the, the better. The, the more data you have, the more information yeah. you have about their but, needs. But also uh, the better the pricing will become.
0: All right. So, uh, because uh, you doesn't... can source larger volumes yeah. from, from your manufacturers. And we
1: learn more, so, so yeah, we, and we'll just pass on that, those benefits towards mm. our members since, mm. since our promise is to not make a profit from the products.
2: And that's fundamentally different, right? Yeah. So when, when we actually find smarter way of doing things or, or buying more volume, we're not going to capture that value as a business. We're going to give it back to, to members, basically.
0: Okay, so let's let's go into the 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 products in a way. So to paint a picture about the, the offering. I've been to the store. It's beautiful. It's beautifully designed. Uh, uh, so you seem to have a great team with you there. Uh, in terms of products it's both sort of this basic knitwear i saw i saw some kitchenware that was looked awesome some ceramics there was some products for for the bathroom so it kind of like this this lifestyle universe how did you decide where to start i mean if 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 it's if it's that broad with with that many categories it's got to be daunting to say okay i need to start with this
2: sweater or you know so maybe yeah. I start and then you, you, <laughs> yes. you will continue because yeah, you, yeah. you're the product guy. So you, you will have more value things to say in, in this area. But I think what there's a few things that is important. What you see today mm. is us trying, mm-hmm. right? So basically now we are, <clears throat> we are trying to see what our members like. Uh, and when we get more data, you will see that the assortment will change into categories where we see appreciation, basically. Mm. Uh, but the important thing, or at least... Our, sort of, uh, our starting point when it comes to assortment is uh, that we look at it in two different areas in a way. Uh, we think that you know, if, if you're going to give us confidence becoming a member, uh, paying us a monthly fee every month, uh, you, you want to pay for a service that you're using. Mm-hmm. So even though you, you could really fast save in the money that you're paying in a single product, we still believe that we would like to be uh, helping you uh, more frequently than just you know buying a down jacket for instance, once every third year mm. uh, and and that's why we have developed one part of the assortment around frequency products uh, and that could be anything from from coffee to detergent to you know hand soap shampoo, all of these things that uh, we believe that people need on on a regular basis basically, so that you can come to singular for those products. As often as you like, Mm. and then the other part is more connected to to drops with product where we can or where we have found uh, extreme value that we would like to give back to our members, and that could be you know down jackets or or it could be um, wine glasses or you know whatever it might be that that in the end our members needs and wants basically. So we we try to look at products in these two sort of areas of development.
1: Exactly. Uh, The the basic assortment strategy is to try to identify products and categories uh, that people need and want. And they're divided into two categories that Daniel mentioned. So there's sort of what we call the core assortment, which is frequency products, uh, bathroom products, pantry products, and uh, socks. Mm. And... uh, it's taking longer than we, we we thought to make really you know the perfect uh, pair of underwear uh i think we've been on it for a couple of years now but uh it, it will eventually arrive in the assortment as well so the, kind, the kind of things that you that you uh, use over time and that you need to refill and restock every right, now and then right whereas the other segment is the sort of more uh single purchase items like a, a down duvet or uh a frying pan. We think that a frying pan, uh, you know, it, it's fair to uh, ask of a frying pan that it should last, if not for a lifetime, so for a very, very long time. Okay,
0: so that's, that's one thing you sell to a customer once and never... I mean, I mean in, a, never, in a dream world,
1: yeah. uh, you, you should not be uh, have to, to uh, buy that again next year. Like, right. uh, that's our hope and ambition. And uh, and it's made, the one we're actually selling is made from five layers of uh, Japanese stainless steel that has a material warranty of 50 years. So uh, it should be should be in that region, uh, hopefully.
0: Um, I'm curious about that part, because when you walked me through the store, Eric, uh, um, it, it, there was so much story behind each item that you picked up. It's like, look at this cashmere sweater, and look at this ceramics. I found it there, and I've been to Portugal and Italy, you this little manufacturer, and you had this amazing stories about each product and how you found it and why you made this decision and the craftsmanship and how you even sort of uh, had to to convince the the manufacturers to actually do it better not to compromise on on the, on the quality yeah
1: yeah we can <laughs> jump into that afterwards because it's 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 a different process in terms of developing products where yeah. where uh, we feel i think rather that we're we're uh, asking the questions that we, we hope our members will ask of us later on. Mm. And, and uh, they're not driven on price. Price is almost a consequence. But, but in, in just finalizing uh, the assortment strategy and how, how we approach it, it's the next step for us is, you know, okay, if we think that we have identified a product or a category that we think that our members needs and wants, then our next step is to say, all right, who is really, really good at doing this? Best case scenario, who's best in, in doing mm. this? And then contacting them and and uh, starting to develop our version of it and and uh, trying to make it as timeless and as sort of uh, qualitative as you possibly can mm. and uh, almost uh, uh, not stereotypical, but but you know finding those archetypical shapes and designs that that we hope and think uh, can last. Right. Uh, so and, and then, Evergreens, in a way. Ever- Evergreens, and really, like, I think we, we're trying to approach almost everything we do quite archetypical. Mm. And then we're trying to say, okay, so what do we need to do to make it resonate with our members and with the times that we live in so that it's, it's, it's still a, a modern product, uh, so that it's not based on, on heritage or branding or lifestyle values? What's the core of, of the essence of, of the product?
2: And I mean, we're not in a rush of releasing products. That's also the beauty of this model, right? We we it's not that we have to uh, stick to a certain rhythm to mm. release products to a market that is sort of fighting for attention, mm. right? Because we we have uh, the hopefully the attention from our members. We we now we have to deserve the trust that they have given in us. Mm. So. Uh, rather than rush, we, of course, we would like to to develop, you know, the products that the members want. But it's even more important that the things that we're doing makes a difference. Mm. Uh, and and I actually think it's a good sign that, you know, it takes us more than a year to develop good underwear. Because that means that we have been careful enough uh, in that process and, and, tr- and at least trying to make a difference in that segment. So... Um, and the,
1: exactly, and the last control point is that you know when when we have invented products and and the correct the right partner to do it, and then developed our version of it. Uh, in the end, we say, "All right, so now we can talk about how much it costs." That that the price is almost a consequence rather than the starting point in right. traditional retail. How much a product should should cost to sell, is is almost the first question you ask.
0: Because for the consumer, it will always be cheaper than. With the traditional model, because
1: incomparable in quality, at right, least, right. I think you know there will always be uh, cheaper products to buy. We singular will not will will rarely be the cheapest option, right? But incomparable quality, uh, you you will never find a better price, basically. And I and, think, and, it, and that's our control point. That, that that you know, when we when we have developed, it, we have the product, we have the partner, and and now we know how much it costs to make then we know if we make a difference or not. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we end up in a place where we feel like, you know, th- this isn't really helping anyone mm. and then, then we don't do it. Other times we feel like, hmm, is this really a product that people need and want? And, and feel like, you know, there's not a clear answer to that. And then we pause also
0: but i see i see one challenge here for you guys and that is storytelling because there's a lot of things that the consumer has to or the member has to understand about yeah. what you're doing both in terms first of all it's a business model shift so you have to explain that and and that i'm i'm sure that's that's first part of the first conversations you have with them in in whatever way you're having it but another part of it is you know if you see a blue beautiful blue sweater hanging on a rack or you know even worse online it's not obvious that it's a better sweater than what you're seeing at any other given retailer so the difference is the storytelling that you you yeah. you, you gave me i got sort of the grand tour of the founder but not everyone can can get that right
1: no the, the other guys <laughs> in the store is great at those stories as well but but you're right like th- that is one of the threshold that is one of our main challenges to mm. to get people to you know, of course, like anyone, discover us and then to actually understand our model and how it differs uh, and then to, to want to try us. Uh, and I think we've learned that, that that's absolutely right. That is a proper, proper challenge to us because we have to teach people that price doesn't have to be connected to quality. But yeah, we're all it's, so programmed with it's that. It's the ultimate mind <laughs> shift. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's another word you could have used there, uh, which we do internally at times as well. Like, like it's it's so fundamentally different that for generations we've been programmed that if you want a really good thing, it has to cost. Right. And we're saying that's not necessarily true. If you shift the business model and we thrive off a subscription fee instead, then our interests are aligned, and, and that can affect the price uh, significantly. And, uh, and I think also going back to, to the products again and what Daniel said in terms of things taking time, mm. we just last week uh, launched um, Pod Coffee, which uh, we're so excited about because that's one of the categories of product that we identified very early on, I think two and a half years ago, uh, saying, you know, this, this, can we make high-quality coffee on, on responsible pods, meaning biodegradable, mm. uh, at a price that makes a difference. That's you know, the the three main pillars for us. Then that would be amazing. And uh, because I think everyone enjoys the convenience of, of pod coffee, but not necessarily the outcome in terms of taste and, and how the pods uh, affect uh, the environment, with being of plastic and aluminium traditionally. And uh, when we started off, we started researching it and realized that at that time, there was a solution for it, but it wasn't good enough. Uh, it was a cardboard solution that wasn't doing uh, any, uh, anything good for the coffee. So the quality of that solution wasn't good enough. And then the only other solution that existed was to, to make capsules in plastic and aluminium, and I said, let's wait. And then, uh, a little while back, uh, we, we finally found a, a Belgian company that has developed a technology to make biodegradable pods that are, are good enough and, and we already have a, a, a really a great partner in making high quality coffee, standout coffee here in Stockholm that roasted in small batches and uh, and, and buys uh, incredible beans uh, in in this first instance from a, a place called Facenda Minamahara in the north of Brazil uh, which is fully organic as well. So, uh, it was like a it was a great moment a small small step for mankind, but a giant step for us that <laughs> that uh, the perseverance uh, in the end de- delivered a product that so now now you can through singular buy uh, coffee pods on high quality mm. coffee that is biodegradable at uh, a price that isn 't more than what you would pay in a supermarket basically mm. so it 's a product that makes makes a difference and and the and the taste and the outcome of it is because most other coffees on pods are freeze dried, and it, and this isn't. This is freshly roasted, high quality organic beans. So so it's it's almost like an entirely different beverage.
2: <laughs> and
0: can I can tell you you enjoy your own product. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Like,
2: uh, I think another important thing to uh, to 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 just also define when it comes to what you brought up around storytelling mm. because. It's also, uh, we talk so much about this being, you know, in the marketing sort of side of of businesses for a long time before. I think it's important for us to not rush uh, because, you know, our, sort of, if we could, If we could dream, the storytelling comes from the product and the member. Right. Uh, So, you know, our proof is in that product. We're going to spend every little energy we have to make extraordinary products. We're going to try at least and and spend uh, a lot of time making sure that our members, you know, get experiences and services around that product that sort of gives us uh, the trust of continuing doing so. And I think that's important for us, to not rush into this traditional way of running a business, you know, running around the world, putting down as many flags in different countries as possible, uh, buying a lot of, you know, customer relationships, and then you try to prove something. We we would like to see if it's possible to approach it the other way around, mm-hmm. to to slowly build trust by actually making extraordinary products, and I think that's different.
1: Exactly, I mean, let that me, is fundamentally me... different. It's, yeah. uh, it's exactly like you say, Daniel, that The second we adopt a short-term perspective, we will lose. Because in the short term, this is a bad business model. Uh, It it only works if you have a really long-term perspective and uh, honor that trust.
0: Yeah, we're going to back to the long term because I want to ask a little bit about the the um, the foundations of of how you how you're running this and how you're financed. But there's one other thing I want to throw at you to see if because it seems to me you've you've thought a lot about this, so that's why it's it's so it's so fun to talk about. But it seems to me like you're in a way you're kind of exchanging brand for community, and. Uh, because if, you know, if you buy, you know, especially in the higher echelons of, of, of you know, of, of the fashion and lifestyle world, uh, if you're buying a, a blanket or a, a blazer or a pair of sneakers or whatever, you're paying quite quite the hefty premium for the brand association yeah. uh, and the designer association and, and so forth. So, uh, um, I know you don't want to mention names, but, you know... If, from what I understand some of the products that you produce are in the same quality range that some of the absolutely premium uh, manufacturers or premium brands so what they charge is the premium for the actual brand you've taken away that completely yeah. since you're yeah. saying it you're paying what it costs so you're not paying for for I'm sure you're paying for some design part of it uh, I don't know but, no, but, but it's it, exactly that you're right like, and I think
1: we're the opposite in that sense so so if you're the, the, the slightest anxious, if you're, you're the slightest, you know, in terms of status seeking or looking for aspirational values, Singular is a bad fit. OK, <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's clear.
1: Uh, I mean, we, we're about the value of the product. So we, mm. we're, we're a promise driven brand, and we, we want to create that the, the value in the product. And, it's, and I guess it's more on a personal note. But for me, and I think for many others, it's I want the quality, but I don't always want the, the logo attached to it. Mm. Uh, so, so we're more for them.
2: I think here also you're gonna now you're, you're running into a, a conversation that we have every day because we also, you know, just like our members, I assume we we, we don't have the same view on everything. And I think, uh, you know, we uh, w- what's important. I'm gonna steal something from you now. You stole something from me before. Uh, so you know what's important for uh, for us is, uh, and, and I can see myself in that. In certain categories, uh, there are brands that I truly respect, that, I, that I, would, I would actually be happy paying a premium for that product because I believe in what they're doing, perhaps what they stand for. Uh, it's important for me to, to feel connected to, you know, the values that is sort of built around them. Uh, in other categories, I'm not as concerned about that. I want really good products, but I don't want to pay the value of whatever brand that is sort of behind it. So uh, I think there are a little bit different in terms of members right and and we usually or or you usually mm. say a really good sort of uh, way of, of defining this is you know if if you're a member uh, we don't expect you to abandon all the brands that you love keep right. the brands that you love for everything else you can use singular mm. so, exactly. so so it's a complement. it's not a substitute in, in that sense and it's
1: and it probably most likely differs for people in terms of you know where is my passion? I really like this brand. I really like the product that they do in this category. And if we say that clothing or accessories for one or two persons, for example, then in terms of bedding and then yeah, you know, you want really good ones, but the logo might be less important in that category. And and uh, and then they're singular. So it's, a, it's, a, it's useful and, and that, that's sort of a, yeah that's a mantra to us. Like we're we're not saying that, that we should be replacing everything in everyone's lives, but. In certain categories, perhaps we could be a good complement.
0: And so, what's your vision on? Because uh, going back to my questions, uh, you're changing brand for community, but it seems to me that there is an added value. There's there is an added aura around the 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 service that you want to provide, and that is the community. And you as as a member, it's invite only or request only right now. or Somehow you it's some kind of exclusivity or scarcity around it. How do, you, how do you think about that? And how, will the members interact with each other? Will there be like, you know...
1: Yeah, we, we, we hope to be able to achieve that. I think that's one of the areas where we have a bit of homework to do. But mm. as, as our, our job as a company is to service their needs and wants, then hopefully over time uh, they, uh, we can build a community where they tell us what they need and want mm. rather than us analyzing and, and guessing
2: and I think here, you know, both data, right, where, where we're going to get sort of more insights in, in what the members are actually appreciating so that we can focus our resources into categories that, that makes a bigger difference, but also being part of, uh, of the actual production process where, where we can actually ask our members we can engage in conversations with them we can even have them be part of of choosing whatever product they want us to to focus on so there's an, an
1: effect you know colors or shapes or designs or uh, categories where we're getting that already now it's 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 a it's a really fun moment when you introduce someone to the model and as everyone's different and has different preferences in their life, and 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 when you see that, the effect the the change of business model can have to them, uh, and when they connect it to their interests and preferences, so that when the aha moment appears, when 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 you see the matrix, basically the zeros and the ones, and and then and then you ask them, so what would you like to see in the assortment, and. Mm. And then you get really, you know, uh, insightful and really valuable input from people that, that already now guides us to a certain extent, and we hope even more going forward. And then you get those really, like, passionate things as well, where we had someone in the focus group say, when they realized, you know, the difference we can make on, on value, that, oh, my God, you have to make uh, inflatable ribboats. <laughs> 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 and, and we were like, you know, yeah, that, that's, you know, we'd love to. I don't think that that it's, you know on the agenda as of now but you know maybe one day we will and can and, and uh, because because technically it's it's hyperlon rubber well
0: it reminds uh, me of the old uh, Walmart saying that they're supposed to be able to sell anything and that they, apparently they sold a private jet at one point to a customer because uh, <laughs> yeah
1: and, and I think and that also goes back to your other question in, 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 in terms of the approach where We see ourselves as a promise-driven brand. Our promise is to deliver high quality at the price of what it costs to make and and responsibly made by some of the world's best manufacturing partners. Uh, We think that allows us to venture into a lot of different categories, so that we can sell coffee and cashmere in in the same retail space, and that it makes sense because they all all honor the same promise. but we, we might learn over time that, you know, that was not the case or that was the case. I mean, it's so early on still.
2: Uh, and I think here here branding plays a role because mm-hmm. we're still use you know, we're not selling the products under no logo, right? Mm-hmm. We, we still have a symbol that we're using. And over time, if we could dream, that symbol will start to stand for the promise that we're giving. Right. So if you see that stamp, you know that this is a product developed under sort of... Under all the things that, that, that Eric just described, basically.
1: Exactly. We, we, uh, we think that in that sense, the brand plays a part, that someone needs to stand up for, for the product and be, you know, they need, it, needs to, it needs to have a byline, basically. Mm. Uh, and and uh, in a dream case scenario, over time, it will represent the promise that, that, we, that, we, that we are sort of trying to honor.
2: It's a stamp for verification in a way, right? But when you see it, the promise is delivered, hopefully.
1: Whereas the difference is that we want it to be product-driven and promise-driven rather than lifestyle-aspiration or heritage-driven.
0: So uh, you're not in a rush. Uh, you're saying that in the short term this is a bad business model uh, So still somehow you're able to do this and I think there's, it's no secret that the h H&M and group is backing this in some form and I'm not sure if you can talk to the, the general owner structure but what, what are the, the, the horizons how long can you go about doing this and can you say anything about uh, when you feel like this is a success case and you can scale it up and i also want to curious to see where you want to go from, from Stockholm so there's
2: many questions, one right. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, let's try to see if we can uh, together find some answers at least. I think, uh, you know, when you when you put it like that, it seems uh, it seems amazing <laughs> that anyone believed it. That's right. <laughs>
0: I'm just <laughs> quoting you guys back to you. <laughs> uh,
2: but I think uh, you know, a singular society is is fully owned by H and M. Right. Uh, so and I think that's such. A, uh, uh, it, it's actually one of the reasons why I've spent such a long time with that company because I think it's it's really brave. Uh, because you know even though we're really small, uh, it's still brave to invest in a business and believe in a business that is fundamentally different than you know perhaps what the group has at least been built on up until this point so mm. it's just it it for me it's just sort of strengthen the position of h and m trying and and wanting to be part of changing the industry in a positive way uh, and I think you know as far as you know how fast i I think The most important for us is to be member-centric, to to be focused on delivering, you know, a good product and a service to our members. To make sure that, you know, when they pay and by paying a monthly fee, trusting in us and giving us sort of the, the, um, the ability to serve them, if we do that well, growth will come. Uh, and I think that's an important order for us. Uh, I don't want us to, to be focused on a growth plan, even though obviously you know, we're part of a growth company. Obviously, we want this business to be big because that means that we can or we have succeeded in, in helping a lot of people with a great service. But the purpose now is not to be big. The purpose now is to be great. If we become great, we're gonna become big. So th- that's an important, it's an important starting point for us that, you know, that that's the only focus we have at this point. Then, you know, as far as business, I, I think it depends on how you, how you look at it. We can, and, and Eric was onto this before, we can in, or we believe at least, uh, that we can in, in a fairly short time operate this business with profit if we want, uh, then there is a decision to be made how fast we would like to grow the business because of the potential it has, right? Mm. And, and that means that, you know, we, we, we could see uh, if we now succeed with sort of the proof of business case that, that in a way we're in right now to, to see that everything works, we could see fast growth, but only if it's sort of built on that we deliver great value. And I think that, that's, that's the important part for us.
1: Yeah. And also, I think clearing up uh, what you mentioned about sort of the the waiting list and the exclusivity and, and scarcity around it. I think uh, I think we understand that it can send those signals mm. to people, but the purpose of it is not to be excluding. Uh, it's it's really as we ventured uh, into this last fall, late fall. And now, roughly six months in, and knowing that it is it is fundamentally different. We, we just, you know, wanted to stay a bit humble in saying, uh, tying back to what Daniel said in terms of, you know, let's make sure we know how to create happy members first and that we're good at what we're doing. And uh, as we started off so small, it also meant that uh, we had a very low inventory on a lot of products and that we knew very little about how many people would want to, to buy and get, so the waiting list has been a way for us to grow in a controlled way in this first phase.
0: So you don't want members that, are, that can't buy products, basically?
1: I think we want to make sure that when, once you become a member that the Service Singular offers is good. Right. And, and if we had uh, opened it up, uh, we had most likely seen uh, a significantly higher growth rate in the beginning. Mm. But then maybe 75% of our assortment would have been sold out. And and we think that would have left a lot of unhappy members. And and as our focus is on the long term, it's more important to to make sure that whoever comes in actually enjoys the service.
0: Is, is this a way for h H&M and Group to... Test and experiment. Are you a lab to experiment a new model that they can apply to their other brands?
2: No. no. Um, we, we're not a lab it's but a it, yeah it's a, yeah we 're not a lab uh, we are an existing business right so it's not that you know we're doing this as a farm project to see how things work, and then we're going to apply learnings from that into other parts of the group, mm. obviously though, a big benefit of being a big group is that you can draw learnings from one another and you can understand how different different things are working so that you know different sides of the group. Of course, could apply some of our insights if they want. That's you know that's not in our hands. But, but we're, we're not a lab in the sense that that singular society is supposed to be a test that gives insight. And when the insights are sort of gained, they're mm. going to be applied everywhere else. And singular will sort of step back. We we believe in in building this business. Um, so, um,
1: but it's a cool and big thought that we we would potentially hypothetically in the future uh, inspire. Large companies to pivot to other business models uh i think in terms of of a, of our h and m group we're not the the right person to answer that question basically
0: i, I get it but you, I, it's, it's somewhere in the early uh, uh, minutes of this conversation you used the word disruptive, so i'm thinking there there is an i mean when you think about how to do things you're thinking about it for yourselves obviously, but you know in a way to extension of that would be others should do this as well right so
2: but i think that that goes <clears throat> it goes back to uh i think we mentioned this before also we don't we don't claim that this is the only way of doing business no. in the future uh, and i don't believe that either it it's an alternative way of doing business and i think uh, in that essence it's really it's important i think that big groups and companies uh, like the one that is sort of owning singular is open to explore. Mm. That they don't believe that they sit on an answer that's going to be valid for the next 100 years. That that they're open to see uh, changes in... You know supply chains or in pricing or in transparency or in ways of just doing business Uh, and i think you know our owner has always been that has Mm -hmm. always been on the customer side of things Uh, and and it's just inspiring to see that even though now h&m is really big they still have that in them that that they want us to to explore things basically
0: Guys, we're coming up on an hour here, and uh, there is another podcast coming into the studio in ten minutes here at, at Helio. Uh, I feel like we can talk about this uh, forever. It's a subject that's close to my heart, and I'm I'm super excited that you you're doing this. Just to to end with, uh, could you just name uh, one product each that you really use from your own line. Uh, do you have a do you have a favorite. I'm sure it's hard to pick favorites, but but mention one, and that that people can look forward to to buying. Erik?
1: To narrow it down to, I I think I'm a a very good singular customer because I really trust the promise. (laughs) So I use a a lot of the assortment and uh, uh, if I could only pick one, that's an uh, impossible question. I I really, really love... uh, and this is not necessarily the most sexy of the product that we they were offering. Uh, I enjoy those too, but I really, really enjoy the laundry detergent series. Mm. I they're they're organic and they're made uh, locally in a climate uh, positive or a neutral at least uh, manufacturing facility here in Sweden, and and they're amazing and they're, and they they smell amazing.
0: So detergent that was surprising, uh, Daniel
2: uh yeah it should be the other way around right <laughs> <laughs> uh i, I think you know i have uh i have a, a family with three kids uh, and one of the things that is you know in a home with three kids you you have to uh, or you can't really um, have a lot of things that can break easily right so there's always been a compromise for us to buy really, really nice uh, glasses, wine glasses and and, water water glasses, basically. And I think we have always felt that, you know, that's something that we're going to invest in when kids are a little older and won't break everything we put on (laughs) on the table. Uh, And now, finally, uh, we can invest in in really, really nice wine glasses. So I I would say it changes sort of by the week, right? But but, uh, here and now, I would say wine glasses.
1: And where do They're people m- find you? Ma- mouth blown in Hungary.
0: Okay. <laughs> Storytelling. Uh, where do people find you? What's the best way to uh, sign up?
1: I mean, I, I would, uh, if I'm allowed to, I would, I would uh, encourage and recommend and, and welcome uh, everyone down to our physical store here mm. in Stockholm at Gamla Brogatan 28. I think it's, it's a great place to to get a sense of it and to see if it's something that they think can be a good fit for them and something that can they want to be a part of uh more accessible to everyone of course would be to to visit the website at www.singularsociety.com where where the full assortment and, and all the uh, necessary information also exists and where you uh, can sign up for the waiting list
0: and if you bribe me i will give you eric's phone number and spam <laughs> him to get an invite
1: no no anyone that, that uh, catches on to it, uh, uh, i i just love it when people reach out and have ideas or suggestions or or questions that we can help answer.
0: Daniel Hermann, Managing Director, Erik Setteberg, Creative Director of Singular Society. Congratulations on your brand and thank you for speaking to me.
1: Thanks for having us Conrad, it's been uh, a pleasure.
2: Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olsen. This show was edited by Erik Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.